Welcome to The Kid Is In School, where we talk about whatever we want since our kid is not here to interrupt us. But we don't have a lot of time before the bell rings, so let's get right into it. I watched the Oscars last night, and once again, you didn't. Uh, That's true. I'm not really interested in it anymore. And it's so sad to me because it's like the Super Bowl or what's another TV show that I gather around? I think that's it. The Super Bowl and Oscars is like my year to eat junk food and watch with friends. Why don't you just eat junk food and enjoy, you know, something else? Like, it's (laughs) it's a... Bit of a boring program, I think. For one, it's super long. Mm-hmm. But we've created a program that talks about people's creations. So it's not, it's like a program about programs. Right. You're not, it's not like a golf game where that's uninteresting to me, but at least you're watching golfers get points. Okay. The pacing slow. Sure. Well, I, was <laughs> I don't just know if we explained golf correctly there, but... No? Well, I was p- putting For once myself... a match. Golf match. But yeah. A golf match? Yes. Not a game. Never knew that. Yeah. I thought... Um, I know about tennis matches. Hmm. I thought, what? how can I put myself in Luke's shoes? What is it like for him when he sees me watching Oscars? And I thought that would be like if I saw you watching golf. I wouldn't want to sit there and pay attention to it for very long. Yeah. And I don't watch golf, by the way. Like, you've used golf... I don't want to watch golf either. That's boring. Okay, then you should understand what I'm saying. Boring events are uninteresting to me. And I think that uh, the Oscars has become that as I've gotten older. Yeah. And well, yeah, back to support your original point, the Oscars isn't even watching people make movies. It's talking about the movies they made. And not even just talking about it because there's programs that are um, like there used to be Siskel and Ebert where they would review the work. And they would talk about what's good about it. The Oscars and other events like that are the people that made it and made other works of art in that uh, year mm-hmm. congratulating each other about it. It also gets very technical. It's like going to the cereal factory and you think, oh, that's interesting because I like the taste of the cereal. And it's like, oh, we're not going to let you taste cereal. We're going to talk about... <laughs> the conveyor belt and who operates it and who sweeps the floors. You know, they, there's a lot of people involved in making a movie. So they go into the real nitty gritty in the specifics. In fact, there are so many jobs in film that they have five other award shows that they televise but or that they record but don't televise. And then you watch it as a montage during the real Oscars. Like they're oh, like, wow, yeah. yeah, they showed it last night. They were like, and in this technical sound awards, there was this footage. Yeah, so they have like a whole nother thing where, event, not like another show really, but just an event. It's an where, event that gets videotaped so that they can show clips of it on the televised yes, Oscars. But nobody has to sit through Exactly, all that. yeah, except the people that were there in that room yeah. at the time. And I, I get the idea of awards to some degree. It's, it's kind of an interesting thing because they're, it's an art form. Film is an art form. Mm-hmm. And so... There are certainly people involved in a film that are not artists. I think that right. the per, the boom mic operator is probably more of a technician mm-hmm. than they are an artist. Sure. The sound mixer or sound designer or somebody that goes in and scores a film mm-hmm. might be more an artist. So you've got this weird mixture of these folks involved in it. Uh, lighting is lighting artwork well yes 
maybe the lighting director. It is on be. Euphoria. Yes. Can you ever do you ever imagine an episode of Euphoria that doesn't have blue or purple or green or red lights? I can't. Well, I I've can't, never seen a sh- that, I, an episode, but every time I think about it, I don't know anything about Euphoria. I zero. Oh, okay. Like, so yes, I can imagine that because I did not know it had color. I also. If you'd said black and white, I would have been fine with that too. Do you know that Zendaya's on it or not even no, that? No, I don't. I literally know it, nothing about it. Okay, so, well then you, my joke is lost on you. It completely, but I'm sure there's someone out there that uh, will get that joke someday. But it's, anyway, the person holding or moving the lights around is not the artist. The person. Right, that, the one who makes sure they're plugged in and makes sure no one trips over them so they're secured to the ground, all that. Yeah. Right, and now in the Oscars, it seems like there are people that are artists that win awards, the actors, the directors. And then there's some people who are, I, I move the lights around, I plug things in that also might get awards, but I'm not. Yeah, crew sure. gets, I think so. Yeah, they, they must, right? I don't know. You're the one that watched it. So you're the one that's like, oh, they took a whole montage of a the, different ceremony happening. That's the less interesting part to me. I think it's significant, but it's not entertaining. And this is why I watch award shows because they typically promise to be entertaining. One way they're entertaining to us is it's all the movie stars as themselves. So they're not acting in the role where they wear heavy makeup or where they wear whatever superhero costume. It's their real self. But they're also wearing designers' creations. So it's another element of art. It's kind of why people like the Met Gala. You want to see what people are wearing. And is it worthy of panning like do you want to say oh that was a miss or do you want to like say oh my gosh they look incredible so i feel like i'm explaining something that's very obvious to you but yet you're learning it for the first time like you have no concept of no people I, liking fashion I, well I, I the only thing i know about in terms of red carpet stuff is joan rivers and so she seems to have been the one now maybe i'm wrong but it seems like she's the one that made that popular of going making fun of the stuff yelling at people what are you wearing who are you wearing is what she would say okay who are you wearing yeah meaning we all know that the only reason you're wearing these clothes is to market some designer so tell us who the designer is right but but she's doing it like tongue-in-cheek i don't think that she was just fawning over people well i think what was innovative at the time when she created that phrase which was like no, we're just supposed to be dazzling you. And then we happen to mention the designer and then the designer happens to sell more. She's just cutting to the chase and being like, okay, who are you wearing? Mm-hmm. That's my understanding of it. So, but no, she didn't, she didn't invent a red carpet. She just kind of capitalized on the popularity of a red carpet. I didn't carpet. say she invented the red carpet. I said she invented, seemed to invent that red carpet thing of interviewing people. Of yelling, sensationalizing it. Yelling no. stuff out. No, not sensationalizing it doing the humor about it like we're talking about it what you know who are you wearing what do you what? well if she did it died with her because nobody is funny on the red carpet anymore like okay. honestly the hosts now they don't tease they just fawn and they're like oh my gosh you look fabulous well, and, this is such a wonderful night for you tell us how you're feeling that's and, all they say and now. were people doing that in the 60s and 70s and 80s absolutely okay i don't know if i believe that but maybe maybe what they do were. you think they were doing not asking them anything and just watching them parade quietly i i bet you that 
it was not even shown on television. That I'm getting visuals in my mind of Audrey Hepburn answering a question as she enters the building. And and aren't you getting like, you've definitely seen this portrayed in film of like, here they are now coming through. You know, that old timey voice of saying, you know, it's a star and her starlet. Mm, her starlet. <laughs> it's a star and his starlet, whatever. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I believe it. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I'm okay with being wrong. But it just seems like that... For one, content now is so much more in demand. So they do this with the NFL stuff, you know, Super Bowl, any mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff, where what used to be a two or three hour event is now four, five, six hours. It starts the day before. WrestleMania is yeah. two days long. You're right. And, and it's a whole weekend and Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah, and- I agree that it's been amplified through the years. But if I were to ask you, since the dawn of football being televised, were players ever interviewed? You know, that hasn't happened since the 80s. You'd be like, no, it definitely happened since people had microphones. Yeah, I don't... Well, I'm specifically talking about the whole red carpet show there's a show right about the red carpet yeah it's essentially called the red carpet yeah there wasn't it wasn't two minutes before uh we cut to the award ceremony we see uh, just a 90 seconds of Cary Grant walking into the building. Well, my guess is it's happened since the 60s, if not since the dawn of the Oscars, which was what, the 20s? I, I didn't do the math, but this was the 95th version of the show okay. so what's the math on that 2023 minus 95 well, well if you just do 1870 if you do 100 <laughs> thank you which is easy to do that <laughs> this w- is the math our daughter does she's like let me round up 1923 thank you right and so you said this is 95th so, we so you subtract five well you would add five to the nu- the number so it'd be Instead of 1923 it'd be 1928 28 okay great okay well done look at you yeah so <laughs> You went from not knowing a thing about the Oscars to knowing exactly when it no. started. <laughs> well, I, I do know things about the Oscars. I just don't know that. I, I mean, obviously, I can't say about the road carpet and the interviews for sure. But it just doesn't strike me as something that happened until E came out and Joan Rivers did her thing. Gotcha. That it became an actual show like that. Now, maybe it had been. It could be. But even even the whole event... We've known for decades, maybe since the dawn of the thing, mm-hmm. that it's boring. Like It's a very long program. It's a long, boring there event. There are lulls in it, yes. And, and there's a reason that they had Bob Hope hosting every year for a long time, and then Johnny Carson mm-hmm. and Jerry Lewis hosted this. And now, all the way up to now, we have Chris Rock, which obviously that, you know, he wasn't hosting last year, but there's an instance last year where he came out was introducing some things did some jokes and then got slapped for it he did i didn't hear about that yeah yeah well we'll go over that later (laughs) i'll I'll catch you up but then this year with jimmy kimmel they tried one year without a host oh and they've done that a couple times and it's so infuriating yeah there was one year one year in particular i remember no host then there was a year that was not comedians. It was James Franco and um, Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway, and that did not turn out well. I thought the no host came after them. I think it might have been. I think it might have been something where, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I feel like it might have been Chris Rock had hosted, mm-hmm. and then people had complained about Chris Rock, and then they went in a different direction 
That so, was that was yeah. Chris Rock uh, laid an egg, I believe, and then no, they I don't invited think he laid the an artist. Egg. Like I think. No, that, I mean he upset the delicate sensibilities of the people who matter, the powers that be. Yes, and it I might have been. I'm not sure about this. It might have been the Jude Law thing where he's like, "Who's Jude Law?" And they're like, "This is one of the finest actors." And okay, that was Sean Penn that chided him for that I remark, know. right? Yeah. yeah, and then but I don't know. Maybe Sean Penn was part of the Academy and said, don't have him back. I don't know. I'm not talking about Sean Penn took him out. I'm saying it might have been that year yeah. that that happened. Welcome to Luke and Abby Speculate. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but... And neither of us know, but we keep trying to correct each other on what we don't know. <laughs> it also, might have been this, but you're wrong. Yeah, exactly. I want to coin a phrase, by the way. You know how you said, look, I didn't think red carpets mattered till E took over. That's a, I'm going to call that a coming-of-age bias because people do the same thing with SNL. SNL was only funny at the time that I watched it. And now that I stopped watching it, it must not be as funny as it was at that time. And I think that I'm the same way of like, how long have they had this food that I like? You know, like when were, if, if you find out when fruit roll-ups were invented or something, and I think, oh, it was 1995, the year I enjoyed them. And it's like, actually they came out in the seventies. You know, yeah. it's one of those things. I'm, I'm coining a phrase. Oh, it could be. It makes me it feel could smart. Be. Yeah, and like, you know, I speaking more of like the, age process there because that's kind of what happens with that is that you have this recency bias i only see what's in front of me or in my life oh it already exists okay never mind yeah <laughs> oh, you, i was inventing oh, you, you a concept thought you, in, you invented that now I dang mean, it th- these things have happened before you thought of them Ugh. so it it kind of falls is, into the recency bias is that what yeah. our irony is maybe that's what alanis morissette <laughs> says is ironic so um when I was younger, I really did enjoy the Oscars, but that's because I really was into watching the films. Every year I would go through, they used to print out sheets. I don't know where I got them, if it was just on the internet or if it was like Taco Bell would have these, but there would be sheets of who's best picture, who's best actor. Oh, like a March Madness type where you yes. pay, make your picks. You make your picks and all that. And I would go through and I, I would try to see them. The, I know that AFI, the American Film Institute, had come out with the 100 greatest movies. Mm-hmm. Then they did, you know, they had other lists, but the 100 greatest was really the the main one, the first one that they did. Because mm-hmm. then they did like the 100 greatest thrills and laughs and all that. And like, uh, that. now you're breaking it down too much. But like <laughs> the 100 greatest films, I went through... This is my late teens, early twenties, probably, and just started watching That's as great. many of them as I could. It's and like reading the classics. It, it is, and so I've seen a lot of films in my life, and I've seen a lot of what's considered great films, like mm-hmm. um, Citizen Kane. You know, is like number one on a lot of people's list. It's like I've seen out of the top ten of those lists. I've seen maybe nine maybe all 10 at this point Uh i have to look at the list to know exactly what they were (laughs) but i've seen them and so when the oscars would come around i would start watching the movies or i might have already seen them Mm -hmm. you know like oh that was nominated i really like that and right now like we just went and saw creed Mm three loved it i thought man you know multiple people could be nominated for something with this mm-hmm. it'll be a whole nother year before they would be nominated okay. and i don't know that they will be yeah i because... don't know the timing sometimes if you get the timing re- release wrong then you don't right reap the benefit and my of... guess is that they probably released it to make the most money rather than to garnish the most awards uh-huh. but as i've got so that would be one where i'd be like oh i'd be excited if that there was oscar buzz around that but that's not probably going to happen in the last 
several years, particularly, there hasn't been that kind of movie where I'm like really into it and like hoping it will get nominated. Right. And accessing these movies has changed a little bit. Oh, for sure. Because we're not watching them in theaters or the theater price has gone up so much. You're kind of like, eh, do I even? Or they're streaming on a platform that you don't subscribe to. You know, like there's a lot of barriers to enjoying films the way we used to. But you did make me flash back to a time when I was emotionally invested in someone's success at these award shows. Like, I really hope they get it. They deserve it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And now I'm just like, anybody could win. Everybody worked hard. Good job. Well, I'm sure your film was good. Yeah, that's part of maybe going from fan to professional in an industry. So we are in the in, in entertainment industry and we are professionals in it. And so now we see behind the curtain and know how hard it is to achieve any amount of success in this career. Right. And so... Yeah, everybody works hard. So even the worst movie that's ever been made, people worked hard on that. They might have been misguided. They might have been sabotaged along the way by meddling people, you know, could be... Or their PR campaign wasn't successful enough. Right. Kind of like politicians. You know, maybe maybe the director wasn't right for the project. Maybe the editor didn't follow the vision. Maybe everybody was told to do something differently. And aren't you in for that drama? I'm here for that. I want to hear those kind of stories. But they don't put that on the Oscars. No, you just hear about it in the magazines. The the Oscars ends up being what's, how how everybody's so deserving of this and who did the best, like even saying the best picture. (laughs) I mean, as I've gotten older, it's like when I was 20, I thought, yes, this is the best picture. I had really, you know, uh, fervent beliefs about that. It's kind of like saying who the greatest basketball player ever is. Michael like, Jordan. Well, yes. <laughs> you, you would say that, but somebody that's 85 might not say that. They Wilt might the stilt. They might say, well, Jimmy, they might say Oscar Robertson. And somebody that's 25 might say LeBron James. LeBron James. <laughs> Did I sound like an 85-year-old when I said, Wilt the stilt? That was uh, really not a good old man. No, I or thought... Or old woman. <laughs> Wilt the stilt. Oh, that, that was much better. Thank you. Yeah, I thought before you were trying to do Bill Walton. And the Oscar goes to <laughs> Bill Walton. Who's that? You don't know Bill Walton? Maybe I do. So he was a basketball player. I'm picturing him. Uh, and he He's played. White. It, he played. Yes, he played at UCLA. Won a couple national championships in the 70s, uh-huh. and then played on. He was. He was right after Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Okay. And then he played in the NBA, won a championship. But by the time he was the late the mid 80s, he was kind of so broken down. He was on his way out. But then he did broadcasting ah. for things. And so I don't know if I can really talk like Bill Walton, but it was more like this. I like your Bill Walton. Yes. And he, so he, he talked like that during the broadcast and he used to infuriate <laughs> so many people that I know. Like everybody hated him when I was a kid. His or, opinions my, or the my, way he spoke? Just the way his opinions. Like, oh. Just the way, uh, you know, I think he was always trying to be funny now <laughs> as a kid i can't tell you whether he was or was not funny because as an adult i probably could go back and hear it and go okay that was genuinely funny because you know eight-year-olds don't know the difference mm-hmm. what's funny and not funny to actual adults you just yeah. think if he didn't know, make a fart joke it right. wasn't funny that's uh, yeah you care about farts you care about pp that's the stuff that you find funny when you're eight <laughs> So anyway, okay. Th- thank you Bill for Walton. that. Thanks for <laughs> taking me down Bill Walton Lane. Yeah, but, you still don't know who he is, but at least 
<laughs> at least you get a history lesson. <laughs> but if I can mentally rewind, we were talking about you can't say that there's a greatest basketball player of all time, and you can't say that there's a best of a subjective field. That's what you're saying, right? Well, Art is subjective. It that's depends a, on what that's, you like. It's tough, too, when you're comparing eras you know, and sure. and when you're comparing art, even though you're not comparing eras from year to year, you are saying this is the best of this field. And yeah. it's kind of like, even if you said, who's the best comedian right now? Well, you could ask 100 people and get 100 different answers because for one, nobody watches every comedian that ever exists. Mm-hmm. You and I see more comedians than than 99% of the population will ever see. And I still don't know every international comedian out there. I don't I'm even, always learning about someone new. I don't even know all the comedians in New York City. Well, they don't count. <laughs> Just kidding. I thought that would be funny to say. <laughs> um... <laughs> Please keep my uh, leprechaun laugh that I just <laughs> included, my little giggle I never knew I could make. Um, so, yeah. so I don't even know all the comedians in New York City. And that's a small pocket. And I know more than almost everybody, you know, other than comedians. Like us other comedians in New York City, we, we know. So yeah. to say this is the best picture, it's like, yeah, I know they haven't seen all the pictures. In fact... You know the people voting haven't seen probably all the things that they're voting for. What? Wow, you're you're probably right, but I never thought about no, that. I assumed everybody that votes saw everything. But then again, I vote for the SAG awards, and sometimes I haven't seen. Most of the times, I haven't seen all the options. It's it was, I just vote for the things that I've seen. Yeah, it's it's really it's hard, you know, and it's that's biased. why they, that's why they send out packages to the voters. Mm-hmm. Here, here's a screener. Watch this because we're assuming you haven't seen it yet. Right. And here, here's a little gift basket. Remember to see this thing, and and remember to vote for Brendan Fraser in in the whale because you want to make sure you know he's out there. And you have those people like that go on the Tonight Show and every other publicity thing that they can to drum up support for this, so that when a voter goes, "Oh yeah, I'll let me see the whale," okay, oh no, he's really good, mm-hmm. but. Did they see everything? And I don't. I don't even know how they're voting. Like, who's who's voting for uh, best sound mixing? Well, let me give you a tangent. Uh, Brendan Fraser. I found out when his makeup team was nominated that that whale was a fat suit. Did you know that? Uh, the character he played, yes. he did not gain the weight to look like that. <laughs> I thought he did. I I might be wrong, but I think he was playing somebody who was almost a thousand pounds. Oh, really? Wow. So there okay. was no possible way. That well, he was I'm very. That yeah, I I didn't get to see it yet, but I hear great things. So. When I found that out while watching the Oscars, I was like, oh, gone are the days where people would, Christian Bale would gain weight and lose the weight for the role. Like, he's not a method actor, Brendan isn't. Well, I think it would probably take him multiple years to get up to that weight. (laughs) Imagine, I know, and imagine if, like, he wanted to lose the weight by the Oscar season, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be possible. I think he probably did gain some weight for the role, but he, I don't, there's no way he could gain hundreds and hundreds of pounds. It would be quite impressive. Christian Bale could have done it. <laughs> Christian, Christian Bale would have insisted. On he would it. have insisted. Anyway, I have two things to say about what you're saying. Um, oh, dang. And now I'm losing both of them. But, oh, one, this is why we have Oscars So White, the hashtag. It was supposed to shine a light on the bias of selecting films because it's like, oh, really? This was the greatest film when we've got these other diverse candidates that have made also movies. So that started in that campaign started in 2015 by 
April rain. And, um, and she's a black woman in the industry who was, it was kind of back when Twitter was funny. She was just kind of cracking on the show. Like, they're so white, they asked to touch my hair, you know. It was really funny at the time, but it also ended up sparking a dialogue, and it's still relevant today. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like you're saying, it's a subjective art form, so how can we know what the best is? But um, and, and just before yeah. you move on with that, part of that is that in any industry, relationships are a big deal. Right. Mm-hmm. So in order to get a job, it isn't just showing up on a doorstep with a resume that looks fabulous, which sometimes works. It's a lot of times is, hey, you know, my uncle owns that factory and he's looking for somebody to be a branch manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you did some of that in the past. So why don't you go ahead and apply and I'll put a word in for you. Right. And so there's a lot of that in every industry. And so certainly in show business, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of that too. So I think that's part of what the Oscar So White was, is that they were saying, you're not uh, diversifying your circle of networking enough to see that these candidates are out there and exist. Absolutely. The other funny thing about award shows is that that dynamic does not exist in any other field. In corporate America, they don't come together to give promotions out. (laughs) But that's what I feel like this is. This is entertainment's version of a promotion. Because once you've been celebrated on this program, in theory, you're going to get a lot of um, buzz as a performer, as a director. Sure. And I think that that's as an adult. I have, in kind of what I was saying about having become, gone from fan to professional mm-hmm. in the industry, is that I, I now I'm understanding partly what it is, is that it's a, it's a commercial for these things. Mm-hmm. And so we can pretend like, oh, they're the best at this thing that they've, you know, and it's like all of these people did a great job. Mm-hmm. They all put out a quality product that somebody enjoys and they've put a lot of work into it but it is a commercial mm-hmm. it is a commercial filled with commercials for <laughs> you know like you're saying the red carpet for all of these designers that put their clothing onto the actors who are just basically being models for their clothing right i didn't think about that it's a way for people to promote themselves sure their work and to all the way to the commercials that actually take place during the broadcast uh-huh. on ABC. So it's a commercial for ABC itself. It's a commercial for Doritos. Priceline. Priceline. Travel, all of that yeah, stuff. Travel company. Right. True. Very true, which is another reason I see why you would be cynical about it. But I think I'm just still nostalgic for the magic that comes. Although I will admit, I didn't catch the red carpet. I didn't watch it on time. And I also left early. So I was, I usually like to watch the show to joke about it especially on Twitter, that used to be fun to do that and engage with people in the industry or fans of the show that aren't, you know, next to me or having a party. It's like kind of creating that party atmosphere. But it was such a sentimental year and there were a lot of great accomplishments and great wins for like the Asian American community, for example, or Asian community, um, that it wasn't it wasn't fun to be jokey. <laughs> Totally. I tried. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's hard to if you if the vibe in the room yeah. is not we're all joking about that exactly. It's Everybody a wants to take it seriously. Yeah, definitely. If you try to poke fun as a comedian on stage, if you try to poke fun at an audience member and tease them, but they don't want to be teased. It's like, hey, quit picking on him. What oh, a, for what sure. A bully. Yeah. Well, like, that's ah. the thing. Like occasionally, like I've actually had to host something that was 
like these real estate agents of Texas or something like that uh-huh. that they wanted to treat like the Oscars. And so I had to try to go up and be funny with that. <laughs> and they're not necessarily in the mood for that. So I had to just do a joke here and there just to move it along. Mm-hmm. But they just want to be celebrated. And <laughs> it's tough. And so that's why something like maybe this year is a little more tame, more vanilla in terms of that. So people are like, uh, uh, Michelle Yeoh, they're happy and for her. She's been in the business a long time. It's right. really cool that she she won something. That's a different vibe in the room than Will Smith marching on stage and slapping Chris Rock it over was, a joke. Right. It wasn't remotely controversial. There was nothing to... No. Gosh, I remember when that happened and you know, I was also, again, tweeting. But I also... You had just missed it, so I recapped it for you. Oh, yeah. You're like, you've got to get in here and Yeah, yeah, yeah. This. I pulled you in for that moment. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's a little less... Anyway, I'm not there for the sentimentality. But other people are, and that's good. And if it just becomes that every year, that's fine too. Well, the thing, I, I say anybody can enjoy whatever they want. So do, should the Oscars exist? I don't have a strong opinion on that. It's like, yeah, if, they, if people enjoy them, watch it, have fun. I'm not going to yuck your yum with it. <laughs> but I, I can't view it as super important mm-hmm. because I kind of see it for what I believe it. To be. Now, if they start to manufacture these fake controversial moments, then it'll be more like professional wrestling. There we go. You might get back into it. <laughs> then again, yeah, I love it. I'm like, oh, what's the storyline going to be here? <laughs> oh, the Undertaker just uh, tombstone pile drove uh, Jimmy Kimmel into the fr- the orchestra here. <laughs> so yeah, and but that's the thing, you know, uh, with with comedy, you know, then we're talking about that stuff now. Chris Rock just had a special come out a few days before the Oscars, mm-hmm. a week before, I guess, that was, ad- that part of it addressed the whole Will Smith slap. And, you know, that that was controversial in of itself, the special. Right. And, and it was it was timely, because if it came out after the Oscars, it would be a little past its prime. Yeah. So he got it in just under the wire, which I'm sure was intentional. Oh, absolutely. It has to be. It has to be like, we're going to release this the weekend before the Oscars. Uh, I bet they, they could have even done it the day before, and but they probably wanted it to have a full week of people talking about it right before the Oscars. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was received in a way that, you know, not everybody loved it. Mm-hmm. You know, some people loved it, some people hated it. Maybe that's a sign of good comedy, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... It, you know, there are some, sometimes comedians... It's a sign of good comedy unless you hated it. Yeah, unless you hated <laughs> it. It's a sign of bad comedy. Yes. So... How could someone love this? What's wrong with them? Yeah, oh, but yeah. That, that's that's what, you know, comedy is. In, going back to the statement of like, what is the best of something? Mm-hmm. Well, everybody's bringing their own thing to the table. Mm-hmm. And so some people like really crass some people like squeaky clean you know there's all that involved and so but it is true that some specials don't hit for an audience even a comedian that they have loved in the past and so mm-hmm. times change eras change so chris rock's uh first major special was bring the pain and i believe that was 95 mm-hmm. it was 95 or 96 which is seen as like the one of if not the best special of all the whole 90s mm-hmm. and then we're fast forwarding to now and i think there are i've heard people who are 
who were big Chris Rock fans be like, oh, I don't know, I'm just not, not, I don't enjoy it as much. You have a theory about that too. Content, content aside, because mm-hmm. we're not going to argue about whether what he said was right or wrong, but specifically when a fan of somebody after many years sours on that artist, you have a theory. What is I that? Do, well, I do. I have this theory that called uh, comedy fatigue or comedian fatigue, mm-hmm. where somebody can be such a big fan of somebody mm-hmm. that they make sure they watch all their specials, listen to all the albums. And after uh, years of this, you know, uh, a lot of times it takes years usually for a special to come out. So you get an hour of material every few years from the people that can produce it that quickly. Mm-hmm. That's the people who have the enough juice in the industry to be able to produce it that much. Mm-hmm. So a Louis C.K. or, you know, back in the day, George Carlin mm-hmm. or uh, Joan Rivers, you know, we talked about her. Mm-hmm. Earlier. She produced her comedy specials. They were once every decade, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it was a while before. Prolific. Yeah. Oh, wait, are you saying that's a lot of time to go by between albums or that's amazing that she produced one that... No, I'm talking about those are top of the field people and yes. it takes them that long to come out with stuff. Okay. Louis C.K. was doing it once a year for a while, but even that has slowed down. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, there there are other people who... Jerry Seinfeld, who's had a special, if you mapped it out, probably had one in 98 and then didn't have another one until almost 2008. Mm-hmm. And it just takes a long time to build material to get it ready for special. And mm-hmm. so when people are able to produce at a level that gets an hour out every few years mm-hmm. and people want to buy it, Comedy Central wants to put it on, Netflix wants to put it on, mm-hmm. and you're seeing a lot from them, you can really love that person and hear hear them but four five six hours of material in that you've seen mm-hmm. over five ten fifteen years mm-hmm. i think you just start to get tired of them no, like you can't have too much of a good thing yeah we, well you start getting the rhythms so you now know that person so much that and there's ta- no surprise yeah it takes out that one element mm-hmm. which is surprise which not completely you still can be surprised that you're hearing jokes they have literally never told before mm-hmm. but you kind of just know where their brain waves are yeah. And, and where they're going to go with something. So does the artist have a duty to change or march to the beat of their own drum and expect their, to shed the old audience and gain a new audience? I don't know that there's an easy answer to that mm-hmm. because there are people like Don Rickles mm-hmm. who never changed, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And who just would have maybe uh, peaks and valleys to his career where he would gain a new audience every 15 or 20 years. Mm -hmm. And so that we were fans of Don Rickles and he was in his 70s or 80s. Yeah. Poking fun at people never gets old, but highlighting racial differences was the thing (laughs) that started to feel um, like it wasn't going to work for too much longer. Well, yeah. Well, that's the thing that you could see it. Not even that. It was just playing upon the stereotypes is what he would do. Yes. Because then you, if you time it right, when you're doing it, you can be subversive. You could be like, I'm saying the thing no one else will say. You know, I don't know. I'm not, I didn't study like race and comedy, although I should have. That would have been a good comedy. Oh, that not, would have been a good college thesis. Nothing, nothing ruins comedy more than studying it. <laughs> uh, than breaking it down in a hundred page thesis. 
But uh, but yeah, I think then there's playing upon something that you know always gets a laugh. So then it becomes hack. Mm-hmm. But I don't think uh, I don't think he did any of that. I think that he like let's say. He, I'm, I want to I want to quote one of his jokes, but I know it's out of context. It's going to sound really awful anyway. Well, well, even I don't even know if it matters. The point being, really, was that he's somebody who got a new audience over time, like without changing though. Without changing, whereas there are some people who George Carlin is an example who every decade, if you look at his career, mm-hmm. changed. He yeah. just changed over time. He started out in the 60s doing Hippy Dippy Weatherman. Then he was the uh, Seven Dirty Words comic of the 70s. Then the 80s, he's wearing a sweater like Cosby would wear and doing jokes about wordplay, you know. Mm-hmm. And then 90s, he's turning darker. Black t-shirt. Black t-shirt. And then... Uh, 2000s it is the world is gonna burn and I'm angry you know mm-hmm. and so it's he was gaining a different audience every time by changing but also he was keeping a lot of the same people but there's people that I knew older than me for sure because I didn't I wasn't alive for a chunk of his career mm-hmm that said, oh, I really loved Carlin in the 70s, but I don't like the 90s version of him. Mm -hmm. And I would be more the opposite. I'm like, I really enjoyed the 90s version, the 2000s version of him, and didn't so much enjoy the 70s and 60s. So you you do risk losing an audience by evolving, but you also almost have to do something to gain a new audience. I've heard that the key to longevity in business is adaptability so Mm -hmm. maybe the same thing applies to entertainment the business side of show business is um if you can change with the times so you've got the dave clark five (laughs) versus the beatles and the beatles did change their style a bit and you know another band i guess that started along maybe the turtles sorry guys you're probably all still alive and getting angry (laughs) but um (laughs) <laughs> but you know, uh, there there are those one hit wonders who only do one thing, or there's the people who I don't know, like Madonna are chameleons and change their hairstyle and and who they want to collaborate with. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and you know, and the thing is, like audiences like us in, as individuals, as we get older, it's kind of back to an earlier point. As we get older, our perspective changes on things mm-hmm. you know and it doesn't have to just be show business things it could be like weddings you know mm-hmm. uh, i think when people are younger they have a different perspective on what a wedding should be sure than when they get older you know uh, you know people have asked me uh what, what advice would you give to somebody who's just getting married so usually be a younger person that's like you know since they know we're married mm-hmm. oh we're want to get married you have any advice for that thing or what would be the advice and i'd say spend as little as possible on your wedding mm-hmm. like just take whatever money that you would have spent on that and just invest it towards <laughs> why your future is that? why would you give that advice oh because it's and maybe it's kind of like the, the whole oscars thing of ceremony but it's like this giant ceremony that you're having but you're putting your future in jeopardy you don't do that with the oscars but you do that with a wedding where people spend money they do not have and kind of college they will do this too mm-hmm. they spend way more money than is necessary for the thing to be accomplished i think that the event 
in in the mind well let me go back to when i was young and imagined a wedding it's kind of like a coronation for uh, actual royalty in a country you think of it as a historic event and up mm-hmm. to that point in your life it is the most historic accomplishment you'll have but if you yes like you're saying have a long vision then you're gonna think about well after that's over then what you know and it's not just about milestones it's about being able to afford them i guess i don't know if this is just insight you're having you like you grew up middle class and you know now that you're an adult you're much more mindful of where money goes and how money is generated and also you're establishing your field so you have a general sense of income earning potential that you wouldn't have in a, as a 20 something or as a teen so so that's part of it but also, I think that kids are not aware of the, the level of stress that goes into it. The bigger the event, and by the way, there are people who have a job of wedding planning. But if people try to take it on themselves and they, they think about, oh, well, I want to have guests. And it's like, well, then you better feed them. You better have a space big enough to accommodate. And then they go and interview these spaces and the caterers and they find out like, oh, these are bigger numbers than I thought. So one of my tips and tricks for young people and i'm sure you guys if you're i'm sure they if they are already like wedding planning have known this but it's to not tell someone you're planning for a wedding tell them you're planning for a party uh-huh. um because like tell a baker who's gonna make a cake i'm planning for a party and if you don't need it to look white with pearls and you know drapery or whatever but you want it to look lovely like it will cost less because because in this industry in the wedding industry it's a booming industry they will upcharge Oh, for sure. Just like Uber's surge time. What do they call it? (laughs) I don't know. I can't afford an Uber. What are you talking about? I've never, I know. Anytime I've ever needed an Uber is always at a time where they're like, actually, it's a pricing surge moment. I'm like, that's every moment. If we had just spent $75 less on our wedding, I'd be able to get that Uber. You got to take an Uber at 5 a.m. four blocks if you want to save money. Yeah, no, it's something where, yeah, they do. They they upcharge, but that's the thing. It's, It's this cyclical thing where... They're charging more because people will pay more because, and then people pay more because they think they have to do it and that it's a necessity to have this big party. So it ends up you have this giant party that sometimes, you know, some people really enjoy the weddings that they produce. But I see a lot of people that go, we have a bunch of guests that we don't really want. Mm -hmm. It's, we feel obligated to invite these people to this event. And it turns you into a monster. There's a whole program called Bridezilla <laughs> for a reason. Yeah. And so, you know, just on the the desires, even if you stick on the desires of the people, mm-hmm. a lot of times is they don't really want all of these people here. They don't really want to do the venue that they're doing. They kind of will settle on a place or their parents think that's what they should do. And everyone feels, it's almost like this big guilt fest Yeah, where you, everybody feels guilted into spending all of this money. It's like at Christmas time, the neighborhoods were, it's like, we, well, we have to put up Christmas lights because the other people put up the Christmas lights right. and it's expected. The and, traditions involved. Yeah. So now we have to go spend $600 on Christmas decorations to put it in. Cause that's what's expected. And it's like, I would just get rid of all of that. It's mm-hmm. like, you don't have to do that. You know, in the, in biblical times, a wedding was the big event of the year, probably for people, because for one, they're going to die in 18 months anyway, because mm-hmm. nobody lived long. And so it's like, we got, we got to do something enjoyable for once. And we got to carpe this deal. I know they, cause we only got one DM left. <laughs> and so they would, hey, I'd like you to slide into my DMs. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. 
And so they they wouldn't have Super Bowl parties. They wouldn't have Oscar parties. They wouldn't have probably birthday parties and, you know, 4th of July, every holiday that we have mm-hmm. also they probably didn't have weekends taken off it's like nope back to work but you that's know, where overspending i think that's where overspending on a wedding comes from they take their biggest jar of oil at those biblical <laughs> weddings yes <laughs> just waste it yeah but it was and, but i get it you know if we talk about like origins of things like that's probably where it was an event for the community and something to celebrate but we now have things to celebrate ah, we have too much to all, celebrate. we have too much to celebrate There's a holiday every so, day now. so you don't have to like out do the other holidays you yeah. know you don't, and that's what we're trying to do the wedding has to be the most special party you ever have in your entire life so what we'll do is we'll put ourselves 25 grand in debt right to make this party happen and then put strain on the relationship yeah and then four years later these people are divorced and everybody's like ah, you know i gave them a wedding gift yeah and, what about that huge elaborate wedding know. i attended well back to your christmas metaphor it is keeping up with the joneses you suddenly forget the whole meaning of the spirit of the wedding or the spirit of Christmas, which we all know is to steal everybody's gifts and then watch them wake up and sing a song <laughs> a la the Grinch. Yes. He never enjoys their presence. He really should have enjoyed their presence. Yeah. Like, he, put, he went to the effort of taking <laughs> their Christmas away from them. I know. I mean, what's the moral of, of the whole conversation we had is just like, I don't know, uh, be Mormon or some or Amish or somebody that doesn't celebrate any holidays ever. Jehovah's Witness, I think they don't celebrate any holidays ever. Every day is exactly the other. They're probably not watching the Oscars. They're not having a big party for anything. I don't say this every day, but the Jehovah's Witnesses got it right. <laughs> well, they're at the door right now. So if you'd like to go ahead and have a chat with them. Great. Thanks for joining us today. If you had a great time, let us know on social. Follow Kid Is In School on Twitter and The Kid Is In School on Instagram. Subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. Be sure to throw us one of those five-star ratings and share with your friends. Oh, and do it quickly before the kid gets home.